Listen to Natty News. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Natty News, the nattiest news show in the world. My name is Anrik Danani, and I'm joined once again with Pat, future Olympian Wu. Pat, how are you doing? I'm doing great, and we'll find out at the end of the episode what path we will both take to become an Olympian for the next quad. How are you uh, doing? Matt, I think um, this life, the Olympian path isn't for me. Maybe after some reincarnation, maybe then. Maybe you'll see me in the podium in another life. But this life, Anwar, no podium. But um, as those, as people might guess, today's episode is going to be all about the Olympics. And also, I'm doing great, Pat. Thank you for asking. Um, but yeah, me and Pat, we have actually been watching the Olympics a lot together. We just came back from a little trip together, and we were just watching a bunch of sports, some classic ones, some ones we've never seen before. And, you know, Pat, my favorite part of all sports is the stories. I love the different stories of all the stuff happening. And I feel like this year's games, although very different because of uh, COVID, you know, there's some really good stories in there. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, this is going to be the most actual news show. Um, this is as new show as Natty News is ever going to get. Um, now, we don't really want to focus too much on the, the stories that everybody knows, um, but we definitely want to shout out uh, the motions, the, the, the sports that kind of made us the most emotional and also some performances that I think a lot of us here in Canada and the States may not know so much about exactly exactly like i think ava knows about some of the big stories like everything going on with simone biles and all the other stuff and so we kind of want to have some different perspective we want to highlight some of the other athletes and some of the other amazing things that happened during this olympic games um before we kind of get started though pat maybe what was your favorite event you watched this year favorite event um you know what? It's, I mean, you didn't expect anything else. I, I like watching weightlifting. Um, probably my favorite moment uh, was watching um, the men's 81 kilogram session with Lu Xiaojun um, to win his last, his third uh, consecutive gold medal, which is always an amazing achievement. He made it interesting for us by uh, missing his first snatch. Um, and then his second snatch, he all he got called for a press out, and then they they overdid the call. So as much as it looked like an easy win, it, it he kind of did it in very dramatic fashion. And for that week, I stayed up. Yeah, I slept on the couch for a whole week uh, because the Olympic weightlifting sessions would be at eleven fifty p.m. and then three fifty uh, a.m. And for those of you who don't know, weightlifting is very much in danger of being kicked out of the Olympics um, due to some drug abuse issues. So I. I thought, hey, if it's the last time, I'll lose 25 hours of sleep, but let's ride it out. Let's watch as much as we can. I didn't know he missed his first snatch. Oh, man. That, yeah, man, he, he really made us nervous. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you know what? Those gold shoes, they need a gold medal to match with them. You bet. How about you? What was your favorite moment? You know, I got to say, saying Andre de Grasse, when he won the 200-meter sprint, I thought that was amazing. Um, I mean, first of all, a Canadian, so, you know, you got to have some of that national pride. But also, I love the underdog story, and I love that it was just, you know, he just came in, had an amazing day, put it all out there, and won. Like, I, I love those stories. 
Yeah, you know, as much as I, we know everybody knows Andre de Grasse, but I think, you know, to think about it, I don't think everyone knows that he hit a personal best um, in basically all three events uh, in the 100, the 200, and the 4x100 at these events. You know, in the previous couple of years, he was dealing with injuries. He hadn't hit new personal best, and he, he went and triple PR'd in the biggest stage. And, you know, for those of you guys in sport, I think you know how hard it is to hit records especially with all that pressure on you so it's a really amazing clutch job but we can all only hope to uh to be as clutch as him yeah and you know i think something really interesting about this olympics too was i find like maybe some athlete maybe liked not having a crowd and i'm sure some really like not disliked not having it so it was a very different performance atmosphere and we've seen like some um classically really consistent athletes maybe not performing as well and some new underdogs who just did amazing yeah i think there were a lot of there's a lot of good upsets i feel like and i'm just speculating i feel like in track and field maybe they 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 enjoy that because i'm sure having loud cheering crowds makes it pretty hard to hear that gun going off and uh, <laughs> sure a lot of things related to that word and relay just like to keep your timing but i'm sure some sports feed off energy like soccer i know soccer really feeds off energy and and having no fans there is really a shame especially when the when the canadian team was able to win yeah yeah i also imagine same thing with weightlifting too just because you face the crowd you see everyone there on the platform to see like an empty arena maybe for some it was very calming but for some others it might have maybe not the same adrenaline yeah absolutely nice nice well pat like we promised our listeners there were some good memorable stories and performances do you want to kick us off with some maybe some of the big performances we saw this year yeah, well, I'll start us off with some Canadian ones. Um, I'm sure most of you have heard, but um, I don't need to go through every single medal from Canada. Um, obviously, we know the swimmers did great. Uh, we know we had Mo Sharon with the weightlifting medal, but Damien Warner winning the decathlon, and I know he's getting a lot of praise, and he was our our flag bearer at the closing ceremony. But I don't think we can we should understate how tough it is to be able to be high performance in ten different events. You know, CrossFit pronounces that they, they say that they crown the world's fittest man. I think Damien Warner is the world's fittest man because he did everything from 100 meter, 400, 1500, uh, high jump, long jump, maybe not high jump, but definitely long jump, uh, pole vault, the throwing events, um, all that. And and his high jump, sorry, his long jump performance was actually good enough to earn a bronze medal had he competed in the individual event. And that is that's amazing because he's not a specialist. He's doing 10 different things and he's world-class at almost all of them. So Damien Warner, that's a, it's an amazing job. It's, it's really inspirational. This is his third Olympics. Um, and you know, in track and field, usually athletes don't have super long careers. So all the power to him. Congratulations, man, dude. Like just, I can't even imagine how do you train for that? Like, is it like, okay, today's shot putting and then tomorrow let's do some sprint. And then, you know what, let's pull vault today. Like, how do you, even train for the decathlon yeah and like i yeah i don't know how the periodization would be it, it would be a nightmare and you know like the energy systems and you know some of them are strength some of them are kind of endurance some of them are finesse um and and from what i heard actually when covid hit he was not able to train in his regular uh gym he had to set up a kind of like a makeshift crappy training arena in an old hockey rink 
And he wasn't even able to run 100 meters. He only had 40 meters. So he just had to practice short ones and just basically run into like a wall with pads on it. So, you know, we always think, I think we always imagine Olympians have like their high performance training center, but to see a guy just be able to do it under those circumstances is very inspiring. Man, dude, that is insane. And even makes his accomplishment even bigger. And you're right. We always imagine every Olympian has all the shiny rogue gear and they're all ready to go. But in reality, a lot of these athletes, they don't have much and they make amazing performances from little. So um, yeah, it's always great to hear these stories. And hopefully now uh, some other decathlon athletes can get a little more funding. Damien Werner should be able to run 100 meters somewhere. <laughs> get someone, get this guy a track and all the other stuff he needs, which is a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Um, um, the other Canadian story I wanted to bring up was uh, Kelsey Mitchell. And I'm going to bring this up again later because um, I've never watched track cycling. I'm like, what's how exciting can riding a bike be? And the answer was, it's very exciting. Um, for those of you who haven't watched, it's a three lap race. And the goal is kind of typically to get the to actually be second for most of the race, because when you're second for most of the race, when you initiate your sprint, you're able to get the better angles. And it's a big strategy because because the bikes have no brakes, so they go very very slowly. And the person behind is kind of trying to trying to deke them out, maybe creep up behind them, intimidate them, and try to find an opening. But then once they go, they are going amazingly fast and. And Kelsey Mitchell pulled off an upset uh, to win the gold medal. And she only started this sport four years ago. She's, she's 27. She started at 23, having played soccer beforehand. And and that is amazing. I don't. You guys need to go and watch this performance because this is not looks like someone who's only done the sport for four years and to reach the absolute pinnacle of it. Yeah, and dude, that's sport is a fun one to watch because i i love how they go up the ramp and then kind of like nose dive down just to get ahead and it's intense and yeah and those trike track bikes are pretty cool too they're kind of futuristic like how they're like so aerodynamic really fun sport and no that's an insane accomplishment you're only training for a couple years and boom you're in the olympics and winning gold and winning gold and it's it's a dangerous sport too i i saw some other performances where people actually did crash because the idea is to race super close to somebody like it's it's so scary just to watch and and yeah it's, it's just a great performance yeah yeah no and it's definitely a fun one for those who haven't seen it before and yeah i would imagine also very intimidating too just like you have you one person kind of feels like a prey and the other one feels like a hunter kind of chasing after and it's like oh what's gonna happen yeah yeah it's it's super wild and lastly, I almost forgot because I know everybody has heard the story, but the Canadian women's soccer team finally won their gold medal. And, you know, if you've heard it 50 times before, well, I hope you're happy to hear it again because it's definitely a huge accomplishment because the Canadian team had not beaten the U.S. team since 2001. And that's almost our entire lives that the Canadian women's team has not beat the USA team. You know what? I'm pretty sure the men's team definitely has not beat them either. So no soccer team in Canada has beat them before. In 20 years, they got their win. Christine Sinclair's been in the team for 21 years, which again is almost her entire lifespan um, playing high-level sport. Um, and they're able to hold off Sweden, and they won in the most dramatic way with the shootout. They were down 2-1 in the shootout because I was re-watching it, and I thought they were definitely down and out. But then... Um, clutch save and a couple clutch goals and 
and they got it done. So yeah, big congratulations. I think that was definitely the signature performance. You know, I feel like all sports should have a shootout. It just makes for such good memories. Like a decathlon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like at the very end, you don't want now let's have a shoot off. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Winner takes all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's a good highlight of some amazing Canadian performances. Canada finished strong with seven gold medals, six eleven six silver medals. 11 bronze with a total of 24 medals and if you kind of look at the whole ranking system they would have came in 11th but great job Canada strong performance and some really really great athletes did some amazing work but anyways the world is bigger than our small little Canuck Canuck land so let's start expanding it nationally and there's some amazing stories internationally uh, so, Pat, you want to maybe drop down one of these international performances? Sure. Um, I'll take I'll take like the Asian swing, and then and then you can take over from there. Now, I already mentioned Liu Xiaojun, so we we won't go through that again. Uh, obviously, a big great. Everyone knows him. He's the most famous weightlifter. Um, he sells lots of weight plates too. But um, thinking with weightlifting in Asia, the Philippines won the first gold medal, not just in weightlifting, not just in Tokyo. But their first gold medal ever, um, Hylian Diaz was able to upset the Chinese weightlifter um, in the 55 kilogram category to win the first medal. And uh, we have we both have lots of Filipino friends, and and many of them are very very proud because um, as a company with as a country without too much funding, it's a lot harder to win medals, right? Um, when you're a big system like with economic funding, it makes things much more possible. So. Um, all the power to her. It was she was so happy. Um, she won on a clutch final lift with a clean and jerk, which is always the kind of the best moment to to win, right? Having the last lift of the competition and and making it happen. Um, also sticking with weightlifting, and I'm promised not doing this on purpose. Um, but Qatar also got um, actually their first two gold medals, but their first of which was in the men's 96 uh, kilogram category. Um, with Meso Hasona, who I've been following for a very long time. Uh, if you haven't checked him out, you should. He always lifts with a great smile on his face. Uh, he's just a very happy and jolly guy. Um, and he absolutely blew away his competition. Like it, it wasn't even close uh, with his win. Uh, he attempted the world record, but I think uh, he had won so hard at that point, he couldn't, couldn't get his mind back in the zone to do it. Um, but yeah, first gold medal for Qatar. And then secondly, um, in high jump, and a lot of you guys may have seen this on Instagram or whatnot. I'm going to try the name, but Mutas Essa Barshim in the high jump. Um, not only did, did he win the second gold medal for, for Qatar, but it was also uh, one of the first dual gold medal wins because uh, in high jump, if both people are tied and he was tied with an Italian, um, then they can have not a shootout, but like a jump off. But I think at a certain point, they both had misses and they were kind of like, we don't think we can make this anyways. Um, the Qatari uh, athlete asked, can we have two gold medals? They said yes. They erupted um, into smiles and cheering. The Italians had come back from a terrible injury to come back here. And uh, and yeah, and one of the first gold medals for a country, that has got to be huge and I'm sure he's going to go back home and have lots of publicity and, and love from his people. 
I cannot wait till the 2024 Olympics where all the high jumpers um, jump about two inches and then they all agree that they want to stop there and then everyone gets the gold medal. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what the officials would do. <laughs> yeah, like what if everyone was just like, you know what, that was high enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know what, I, I can see them making a new rule now. It's like you got to hit like a certain baseline otherwise you don't get your dual gold medals people are just yeah. inspiring exactly but i love when people find these little loopholes so i really hope all the high jumpers try it next year <laughs> absolutely uh, um no, yeah well I, th- I think not that that's all the news from asia but i mean last lastly uh japan themselves the whole country they almost doubled their medal output uh from the last olympics and if we're looking at gold medal output with 27 they were in third, and I don't know if many people expected them to to perform quite so well. Um, so they definitely uh, showed up. Everybody came in big uh, for the Olympics in their home country, and for all the trouble they've gone gone with with COVID and and just even trying to make this happen, I'm quite happy that they they were able to do a good job. And hopefully, uh, the country has a lot of pride with what they accomplished. You know, I could not have thought of such a difficult task in organizing such a complex thing like the Olympics. And Japan did a phenomenal job. And the same thing to all those athletes. Like, the Japanese people must be incredibly proud of how amazing their athletes were and just the way they performed. They had 27 medals. I, I, we all expected Japan to do good for being at hometown. But, man, this was just a complete blowout of a performance. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so... We're not done yet with some great stories. And so now this is one that hits close to home. As someone who uh, enjoys doing some good old cardio and some good runs, we have Stefan Hassan from the Netherlands, who, man, this guy is just an absolute beast. So he gets the 1,500, he, he competes the 1,500 meters and gets a bronze, which is amazing. And then he runs the 5,000 and the 10K, and gets a gold in both of them. And at the very end of the 10K, just com- collapses. He's just done and just put everything he had in those races. And I got to say, I feel like those like those are some tough races because they're not long enough where you kind of have um, a, like a marathon pace where you can maybe keep up a good heart rate. Like you're probably still like going full on, full throttle trying to get through that. Just an unbelievable performance. And Especially in those distance um, races, it's rare to see people getting like double, triple goals. So, Stefan Hassan from the Netherlands, man, what a beast! Yeah, she did amazing. And I, I went back. I, I didn't watch the races live, but um, I definitely did go back and watch the ten thousand, just the end of it. And when she won, she didn't have any energy to to uh, to celebrate. And and I want to first say that um, when she went for her last spurt. And you got to go back and watch the sandwich. She went so fast. Like she she went at a pace that would probably run 100 meter in, in her last 10,000 after competing at three different events. And and she the first thing she did was she called for a wheelchair. Like oh I, she's probably still recovering right now. And she'll probably need like the next four years to recover from this. But I'm sure she is nothing but but happy for her country and, and for herself too. Because that's a gutsy performance. Man, dude, I just imagine the lactic acid and all those muscles of those like weak performances. Just like, man. But you know what? All I hope she gets all the rest and has a lot of pride for what she did. And to stay on the topic of amazing track and runners, 
you know, I- I'm a little embarrassed that I didn't learn about Elaine Thompson Hira until um, this Olympics. Uh, I was watching the 100-meter sprint um, and the 200-meter sprint, and I noticed, like, wait, the winner looks kind of the same for both of these. And I did a little searching, and I figured out, wait, it's the same person, and she also won the 4 by 100 meter relay. And then I did a little more reading, and I was like, wait, she also won in 2016. She's basically the, like, um, female Usain Bolt. So, like, Elaine thompson Hira just did a dominant performance, getting a triple of both the 100 meter, 200 meter, and the uh, 4 by 100 meter relay. And so just another amazing Jamaican sprinter. And I was doing a little more research about her life. And it turns out when she was back in like high school, she wasn't even known for being a good sprinter. She was just kind of like in the pack, not like a, an also, but she mm-hmm. just came to herself and um, during university just kept on improving and look at her like a man, dude, she's just incredible and i'm really excited to see if she will keep this up for 2024 as well i'm definitely going to be um more aware of her for the next olympics yeah and uh yeah i mean go going getting that many medals is uh i mean i don't don't think people um talk about enough but there's a big difference between the 100 and 200 meter not everyone can do it like usain bolt was one of them thompson hero is another one andre de grasse is the other but there are very few athletes that can do both and you know, you're kind of taking a risk too because you can risk hurting yourself or getting fatigued from one. So, and then for her to do three events, whew, like she is a star. You know, I was reading some stuff about sprinting and it seems like for the 100 meters, it's better to be a little shorter. Like you don't want to be super high because then you can get into your maximum speed faster. But for the 200 meters, you kind of do want to be a little taller. So because then you have more time to get into your maximum speed, which would be faster than someone who's a little shorter. And so what was I think was really impressive was like Elaine Thompson. She's about 5'5", five, five, so like not super tall. But so 100 meters, she's great. But the fact that she won 200 meters too was insane. And it's actually like the opposite for Usain Bolt, who was huge. And yeah. so 200 meters was great for him. But when he won the 100 meters, you're like, damn, this guy's something else. Yep. Yeah, sprinting is crazy. Well, moving on beyond the track and field work, what do you have next for us? Oh, man. So I want to jump into um, a bit of a controversy. And I wanted to kind of take your opinion about some of this, Pat. So again, with Nai News, we don't really we talk about the news, but we don't get too involved with some of the politics. But one of the most politically heated um, performances of this Olympics was that of Laurel Hubbard. Now, for those who are not aware, Laurel Hubbard is a transgender athlete who uh, competes in weightlifting, and because weightlifting obviously depends a lot on strength, there was a big controversy about the biological advantages a transgender athlete may have and a huge controversy about a lot of different reasons. Unfortunately for Laurel Hubbard, she was not able to really fully compete bombing out for her snatch. And I think one thing that you and I can say is that everyone has the right to compete. Everyone should compete. Enjoy sports. It's an amazing thing that just benefits life immensely. Now, I don't know what's the fair way of doing it. I don't know what's the right way. What levels of testosterone do we need to measure? What do we do? How do hormone blockers play into this? 
But what I got to say is that everyone should be able to compete. And I'm sure there's a way that makes it fair and just and fun for everyone. But I have to say, with Laurel Hubbard bombing out, one of the dumbest things I've heard is people saying she, she did it on purpose. Which, like, I don't believe for a second. And I kind of want to ask you, as, like, a weightlifter, did, did she look like she kind of, like, was, like, bombing out on purpose? Like, how would you say her performance went? Like, for me, I was just thinking, like, you know what? It wasn't her day. She she just didn't perform today. But what do you think? Yeah, no. Um, I, I think the take that she bombed on purpose is uh, is a dumb one because, I mean, w- one of her lifts that she she missed was just missed from a press out. Um, Mm -hmm. and if you're trying to lose, you don't miss with a press out. You, you just throw the bar forward. Right. Um, so I, I mean that, that alone, I think indicates, and I think she thought she got that lift too, but, um, the Tokyo Olympics, they were super strict on elbows. So if your elbows weren't locked, um, it wouldn't be given. I just think it wasn't her day. Um, a lot of her lifts just weren't caught in a very good position. They're all very forward of the shoulders. It just, you know, it just wasn't uh, wasn't really there. So, um, no, I've seen those takes about her bombing on purpose or whatnot. Uh, absolutely not true. Yeah, and I think actually I was watching her trials because I was kind of curious about how her trials were going to go. Um, because I mean, this was a huge story for the whole year. And I think you were the one who mentioned it, but during her trials, she kind of has a weak press, like uh, a weak finish. Like she kind of presses out sometimes and. Th- for whatever reason, it's one of her like weaknesses. So I guess Japan was a super strict on that. Well, other competitions may have been a little more loose on it. Yeah, like yeah, and I, and that's the thing where it's very kind of consistent with what she usually does, um, which is kind of has soft elbows with catch. And a lot of other athletes besides her were caught on that. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely kind of just par for the course. Didn't make the right adjustment and and unfortunately bombed. Uh, I do have to say, though, um, uh, unfortunately, she wasn't able to compete to her uh, potential. But I got to say, um, Lee Wen-Wen is a beast. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Seeing her, like, I actually have to double check this. She beat the second place, em- Emily Campbell, who is a fantastic lifter as well, by about, like, t- is that 37 kilos? <laughs> and she could have done more. This is... I think it's still a lot less than the maximum weight she's done. A lot of people think she can probably clean and jerk 200 kilograms. <laughs> so, yeah, nobody's even close. It was her free gold medal, and the battle really was for silver and bronze. Dude, like, I remember I was watching the performance, and I was like, who is this animal of a lifter? Like, she should have her own category. This isn't fair anymore. She's <laughs> <laughs> just too good. I feel bad for any of the 87 kg plus lifters that you have to compete with Lee Wen Wen. Man, that's a tough battle to go against her. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess, I guess there's no nerves though. You don't, you know, you're not going to beat her. So just do your thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Anyways, kind of getting away from weightlifting. So I think we talked about before one of the events that I enjoy watching is definitely the wrestling, especially kind of getting the chance to train a bit um, at the university club. And again, I, I enjoy my grappling sport very much. So uh, I was watching a few of the matches, and one of the stories I really liked was the story of Kyle Dake. And so for those who are not familiar with Kyle Dake, 
he was able to win the spot for the Olympic U.S. team from Jordan Burroughs. And Jordan Burroughs is probably the most famous modern American wrestler. Um, Jordan Burroughs, it had, he won the Olympic gold back in 2012. He competed against in 2016. Didn't perform as well, but still a fantastic job. He's won many world t- uh, titles, has done amazing work for wrestling. He's very popular in the MMA community for either training with some great fighters or also hinting at maybe a possible jump into MMA. So really amazing athlete and great uh, figure for the sport. And Kyle was one of his rivals throughout college, high school, and always this end up a little shirt where Jordan was just able to go a little further and beat him. And in the final Olympic trials, Kyle was able to beat him twice, get in the Olympic team, and perform fantastically. Coming in third, getting the bronze medal, facing some fierce worldwide competition. And I think it's a beautiful story of persistence. Coming through, having to face Jordan so many times throughout his entire life, getting that win, getting to the Olympics, and getting some medals on him, man. Kyle Dake, congratulations, man. Yeah, that's a that's a great story. Yeah, and I mean, wrestling is such a tough sport. Um, when you go and watch it, there's not that many, there's not that many like contact sports in the Olympics. Um, I mean, ju- judo is obviously a prominent one, but wrestling really has that ground game, and it's as someone who doesn't really understand it, it's pretty exciting to watch because it's all about like getting position and scoring those points. I have to be honest, Pat. I I truly think wrestling is the hardest sport out there. Like I remember at um the university, I did a wrestling practice, and it was this was just a club. This wasn't even the team, and I actually think that was the hardest work that I've ever done in my life. <laughs> like I was actually like gasping by the end of it, feeling like I was about to throw up. Like it is so so tough of a sport, and it's all I, yeah, it's all work, hey. Like there's no. Even like boxing, you see them hug on a little bit for a few seconds. But yeah, there's no rest in this sport. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And like, man, no, it's a tough, tough sport. And they train hard. Like, I like to think I'm a fit guy, but th- that kicks my ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, And to kind of stay in the world of wrestling, too, I want to highlight Gable Stevenson, another American wrestler, who he, he won the gold medal in the last 0.2 seconds of the match. Whoa. So he was in a back and forth with his opponent. And in the last 0.2 seconds, he was able to secure a takedown by getting the back of his opponent, scoring him the last points needed to win. Like, it was literally a photo finish on that match. And um, he's also a first-time Olympian, getting that Olympic gold. And just, like, that was just an amazing performance, just... You couldn't have written a better script. It was back and forth throughout the match, ending with um, uh, him having one point down, able to get that final takedown, getting those two points, and getting himself a nice shiny gold medal. But yeah, I mean, you love those photo finishes. Just anything like winning on the last shot or the last last point at the end of the shot clock or the end of the clock. Those are amazing. Yeah, exactly. That's what movies are made of. And I think that's what we all love about sports is those moments. So uh, if you haven't seen it, definitely check out Gable Stevenson on YouTube and see that just 0.2 seconds was all he needed. Um, But yeah, I think that kind of covers some of those really amazing performances we saw this year. 
Anything else you have, Pat? Um, no, I'm sure there's more, but you know, a lot of this is really based on um, the sports we watch and also the ones that we just thought were not only just wins, but like either dramatic or had a great story to them. Exactly. And also maybe highlighting some athletes who didn't give, get as much love in the media as we would, would have hoped. And hopefully yeah. you can check them out and root for them if they compete next year or watch the highlights if they're done for this time. But kind of jumping onto something else, you and I, as we said before, we were watching a lot of Olympics together and we kind of saw some events that we've never watched before. And I got to say, Pat, one of the coolest events I've seen this entire year, and I think you can agree, is rhythmic gymnastics. Like, everyone was talking about Simone Biles and classical gymnastics, and for all good reasons, that's an insane sport, and she's she's the GOAT. But rhythmic gymnastics is such an incredible sport. Like, basically, for those who might not be aware of it, the way it works is that you are kind of doing a performance like a dance while doing all these crazy gymnastic moves of flips cartwheel splits and all that good stuff all right everyone sorry for that little interruption had some technical difficulties but we're back to talk about my new favorite sport rhythmic gymnastics again rhythmic gymnastics you're doing all these crazy flips you know from gymnastics but you're also doing a whole dance routine and i gotta say i think the most impressive thing is when they take whatever object they're using and they throw it like 50 feet in the air, do like a bunch of flips, and then catch it. Like, man, it's just such a crazy spurt. Yeah, and and admittedly, we really don't understand the scoring very much, but we were watching that one night uh, when we were on our vacation, and everything was just impressive. And some of them scored low, and we didn't even know why. It's uh, even from the, I guess, the basic techniques, like their flexibility moves, they do some sort of like, it almost looks like like a front handspring where they just take one foot and take it over their head in a, in kind of like a non-human way. It's like, it almost moves on like all three planes, uh, which your hips should not be able to do. Um, and then the different objects, um, I think um, they have like this, like they have the two rods that they, you can put them together and split them apart. And then you kind of do like little circus tricks. They throw it together, throw it in the air as two, and then they catch it as one um super amazing it's very entertaining and i remember one girl uh most of them use very like traditional european type music but one girl came out to to some beyonce and uh she was having a great time yeah yeah exactly i think it was kind of cool that they could pick their own music choice um i also was hearing when we were watching it about how strict the time limit is like you have to finish exactly at a minute 30 and so, like, some girls might have maybe messed up a bit, dropped it, and then they have to readjust yeah. everything on the fly so they can still finish under 130. Like, it's insane. Like, such a cool sport. And I feel like it might have not get as much love as regular gymnastics. But, man, I think it can be sometimes even a little more fun in regular gymnastics. I, you know what? I, I think so. And where regular gymnastics is, at the end of the day, very kind of, not robotic, but they're trying to... They're really out here trying to score points. Um, and you see a lot of like the similar tricks, but the rhythmic allows them to have a lot more artistic freedom. And they kind of use the whole floor and and a lot of like circus inspired tricks. Um, I yeah. think. And it's, but it's like in a sport form. Yeah, really love it. Really suggest watching it if you haven't. Yeah, I still have no idea how to score it. Like, I think some people got robbed, but you know what? <laughs> what do I know? I think they were all amazing. Um, and another sport that I really loved and really happy to introduce it 
skateboarding. Skateboarding was awesome. And I was kind of thinking about it. I was like, of course, skateboarding is going to be awesome. Like snowboarding in the Winter Olympics is one of my favorite events. It is so cool. Just all the tricks and stuff. And skateboarding is just more of the same. Um, But Pat, what do you think about skateboarding? Um, I thought I thought it was a great sport. Um, I think there was a Canadian skateboarder, and the, the tricks are just. I think especially when you get to see a lot of the slow mos, they're incredible difficulty. Like even just from the most basic things, like getting on the skateboard and just curling around the edge, which I'm saying is basic because I know it's a core skill, but that's incredibly hard. And the tricks they do in the air because it's completely aerial. Like they just let go of the skateboard, it flips in the air. And they land back on it. And um, I think there was like a 13 and 14 year old medalist from Japan. Uh, they upset some of the uh, Canadian, the, the USA greats. Um, and again, what the heck were we doing when we were 13? And these people are out here winning Olympic medals in a new sport. You know, um, I have to tell a little story about little seven year old Anwar got a skateboard once because he saw rocket power and thought it was super cool. And I fell off it once and never got on it again. So there goes my Olympic potential. <laughs> Man, yeah, no, the finesse is so high for skateboarding. And and I feel like you just get hurt a lot. Like, that's just part of the sport. You know, falling on your knees, falling everywhere. It's such a tough thing to do, especially when you start getting into the tricks. Like, I was watching, like, a video about Tony Hawk talking about some of the tricks he does and just the intricacies and the minorest of details to make it work or not. And then stringing together 10 of those, like, perfect tricks it's just immense. Like it's such a technical sport, and it's also very aesthetic when you watch it. Gets like you. It just looks so cool too. So uh, I'm super stoked that they added it. It's a really great one, and really excited to see more of it in the next Olympics. Yeah, I definitely agree. And now uh, next up, a more more traditional sport, and then we'll finish with another new one. But uh, to mention again, uh, track cycling is an amazing sport. And again, if you haven't watched it, go watch, um, especially the the gold medal match for Canada for the women's with Kelsey Mitchell, but just the sheer speed they're able to go at um, on the bikes when you get to watch it in the real time, because um, the bike is no break. And when they hit that peak speed, they are just blasting through. And there's so much suspense to it because when you watch it, you know, they're kind of trailing behind, trailing behind, and you're kind of in anticipation of when are they going to make their move. Right. And once they make their move, it's an all out chase. Like, you know, two people going at full speed. And um, yeah, I, d- I just like that aspect to it because traditional races like the 100 or the 200, they're just running. And then at some point, you kind of know who's going to win. But this is a lot of like a strategy aspect uh, to it, which is very fun. Nice, man. And I agree with you completely. Like, it is just such a fun sport. And I really kind of like the feeling where it's like the other person is looking back and like, oh, man, they're coming, yeah. they're coming, they're coming. What am I going to do? And it's- it is such a fun one, too. It's definitely one that I enjoyed watching a lot and definitely would have to catch out more of it. And I think I think I can guess what's going to be the last one. What's the new one that you really liked? Yeah. Before I jump in it, I want to give like a special shout out to Handball, um, which I didn't know that was in the Olympics. And I think France won both the men and women's gold medal. Like, I last played it in high school, and I thought it was like, it's such a fun game. Um, and I didn't realize that we were reading about the rules one day and apparently oh you can't grab jerseys or like make contact no in the real game everybody's grabbing jerseys everybody's pulling everyone down on defense and uh and then when they like shoot the ball it's just like i remember like they jump and they blast the ball into the goal and 
one of my criticisms of some sports like soccer there's not very much scoring handball's got all kinds of scoring it's uh it's a lot of fun but speaking of high speed high scoring i never thought I'd say it but 3v3 basketball is actually a lot of fun and it's better i think it's better to watch in the olympics than real basketball it's first to 21 um it's half court and every free throw counts as uh one point so like that's two points out of 21 so that matters a lot and uh, it's just a very fast-paced game uh we're able to see more amateur players i'm personally not a huge fan of watching like the usa super team um kind of beat down everybody every year um but 3v3 is very like competitive and you saw more like different types of shots and different strategies um so it was a lot of fun you know, I completely agree with you on why does the USA get to send literally the best players in the world to play every year? Like, I truly think that, like, yeah, that's so silly that that keeps on happening. Yeah, it's just, I mean, you know, it's it's not against the rules. So, like, I mean, most people would do it too, right, if you had the resources. But it's just, yeah, it's just not very fun to watch. Whereas the 3v3, it's very quick pace too. And the strategy, the, because the rules are different, um like when you get to a certain amount of fouls like they get two shots and i think at a certain point they get two shots and possession and anytime you take a game and you change its rules it changes entirely how how people play right and how they play defense and offense and i think that was very refreshing uh whereas you know basketball is basketball and like i already like i already know what it's all about yeah, exactly, exactly. So, no, I think it's a fun little format. And, yeah, it probably gives advantage to a lot of new amateur athletes to get some, get a show off some of their skills. So, that's really cool. Um, And, yeah, so I think that's kind of some highlights of some new sports that both you and I really enjoyed watching. And now, qu- question, Pat. You have four years to get into an Olympic team. What sport would you do? Which one do you think you have the best shot on getting into an Olympic team in four years? Now, let's do a quick scroll. Now, as much as I'd like to say weightlifting, I'd probably never get in. Even if I take drugs, I don't think I'd get in. And if I did, I'd be in the B session and get like 14th place. (laughs) Um, See, I think it's got to be a team sport because I am not going to be good enough and I I have to be like a role player. I think... I think it'd be handball. I love handball. Um, I think I think in handball, I could be probably not the great defender because I'm pretty crap on defense in all sports, but I think I could be a decent shooter. I've got a pretty good good arm. I've got a pretty good vertical, um, decently strong so I can make space. I think I could be a, a decent scorer um, in a handball game, maybe as like a reserve or something. Uh, but And I think Canada's not too dominant in handball too, so I think I'd have a... Good choice, good chance of joining. And then if they make the Olympics, I, I'd be there. How about you? Oh man. Well, see, I was initially thinking about being an equestrian because then the hearse does all the work and I can just take the glory. But no, at, the, sure. at the same time, though, I also think I'm over 200 pounds and I don't want to make any hearse try to jump and leap with me on its back. I don't think that's going to be a very good idea. So then I had the same thinking of you as like, okay, it has to be a team sport because there's no way I will get anywhere up in an elite level in four years, not even close. Um, so I think for team sports, for me, handball, too much hand-eye coordination, can't do it. Um, I'm thinking rugby. 
I think like I'm a decently strong guy. I, I I think I could maybe take a little bit of some beating, so I could be like a wall, a defender, or something. Just get smacked into it, protecting someone else who can actually throw the ball. Um, so I think rugby. I don't think Canada's the most dominant in rugby. So yeah, I feel like maybe four years dedicated training, maybe have a slim chance. <laughs> nice. No, I agree. What do you think about uh, like a team rowing event? What do you think your chances be there? Like, there's an eight-man rowing team. You know, so, ah, man, I think I don't think I would be very good at it. I think because you need to be really synchronous with your team with for True. those. And you probably and wouldn't so, be their size. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Not only, not only the size, but also, like, I wouldn't – I haven't been used to kind of going through that much cardiovascular endurance while staying in sync with everyone else. Like, I think you have to have two kind of – skill set of both having a good cardio system but also being able to be aware of everyone else and matching the output which i just don't think i could learn in four years i think that's something you have to do for a while to really get at an elite level way too much finesse and what last question of the day what track and field event do you think you would have the best chance at making a team of oh man Okay, I, I think I have a very low chance, but I gotta go with shot putting just solely because in high school that was the only try like non-running event I was able to um compete in was shot put. So uh I'm just gonna go with that. But I, I would not do very good in that to be honest. I was not a good one in high school and I'm not gonna be any better now. I don't know, man. If maybe if you lost 60 pounds, I could see you as a decent four hundred guy or an eight or a five thousand. Maybe, you're pretty, maybe. You're pretty cardiovascular good for being 220 pounds. <laughs> How about yourself? Which one would you go for? I could see you as I could actually see you as like a high jumper. Yeah, I'm think I'm reading about it right now. Um definitely not race walking or marathon. I think those would kill me. Um I think long jump. I think high maybe high jump, but I'm not a very good uh I'm not the best like vertical one foot jumper. I'm not super flexible in the back. Yeah, I think it'd have to be a jumping one. I'm hopeless in running. I could see like javelin if I was taught properly because I have like a decently good rotational power. But yeah, yeah, pretty definitely not shot put. I don't think I have that kind of pure. It's a, yeah, I, I don't see shot put with how I do at dips and like pushing related stuff. Uh, yeah, we had a little dip competition and on a vacation i could only do six dips and i feel like that's a problem in a shot put <laughs> you know i wasn't gonna say anything about it pat but you revealed it i, I am <laughs> shocked that you can literally clean and jerk like almost 300 pounds and you can only do six dips <laughs> hard dips six very hard very uncomfortable looking dips it was one of the most shocking things i've ever seen in my life i wish i filmed it i wish i could show everyone <laughs> We should have filmed that. That would have been a good snippet, just uh, exposing me. Oh, man. Well, yeah, with that, I think we get a good little Olympic recap. Definitely would love to hear from all the listeners what were some things you like to see, what were some of the things you really enjoyed, and maybe also comment, like, what sport do you think you could make in four years? Although it might be unlikely, you never know. Yeah, I think it's a very it's a very fun little game to play with your friends too. Um, you know, just have a little have a little chat about it and think about it. And I mean, um, yeah, definitely let us know too. Uh, 
what sport I, you think you could do? I bet, Pat, Kelsey Mitchell, she talked to her friends that she was going to become a cycling champion in four years, and she did. So I think that's how it started. I mean, how else do you get pulled into that sport? Or like some like obscure sport like like the sailing where you're just like under the water and I saw that clip of like these men like humping the water. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, this must be like a bet or or something. Like, yeah, they must have pulled it out of a hat. Oh man. Well, hey, thank you everyone for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed the Olympics as much as we did. And if you haven't, there's some amazing highlights to check out. I think I'm gonna probably check out some more for the next coming weeks. And thank you, Pat, for some great stories as well. And yeah, do you want to close out today? Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for joining us again on another episode. Uh, if you like us, make sure you're subscribing to us on YouTube and Spotify. Give us a like. Uh, more importantly, we're just always trying to get uh, get the show into more people's ears. So if you have a friend, family member, whoever that you think might enjoy our show, let them know. Um, spread the word. And uh, make sure to message us on Instagram uh, with your feedback, any thoughts you have, any sports you think you could do. Uh, we love to hear from you guys. And I think that's it for this week of Natty News. I hope you guys make those Natty gains. And yeah, Natty News out. Natty News out. Hope you all enjoyed this week's episode of Natty News. If you'd like to learn more, be sure to check out our website www.natty.news as well check out our instagram natty news podcast and facebook page natty news if you want to get a bit more natty information